victims will be heard in the streets. This is from the journal of Ahmed Rahami, the terrorist who planted uh, a series of bombs in four places in New Jersey and New York City this past weekend. Now, <laughs> we're not supposed to be calling them radical Islamist terrorists, this according to President Obama, but indeed, that's what this man was. And we're going to be talking more about him today, as well as why we can't continue to deny who the actual enemy is, who the terrorists are. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, this is these are crazy times. <laughs> I think all of my podcasts, uh, you can listen to them, and one is crazier than the other in terms of dissecting what's going on in the world, notably in regard to terrorism. What's making it particularly difficult to win the war on terror is the fact that President Obama refuses to uh, identify who the enemies are. He has told Homeland Security and journalists and anybody else, theoretically all of us, not to use the word radical Islamist and terrorist in the same sentence, nor jihad. I mean, this is, this is absurd. If the people who are supposed to be protecting us, like Homeland Security, the FBI, the police, um, are not even allowed to name what is happening and by whom, how are we ever going to beat the enemy or have any kind of um, reasonable interactions? Well, it's hard to have reasonable interactions with these enemies anyway, but I mean, how are we going to be able to reasonably deal with the problem? This is the main problem. Well, let's... Um, Let's talk about, you know, let's talk about, for one thing, how this relates, um, President Obama's prohibitions relates to what happened this past weekend in New York and New Jersey. Um, when the bombs went off, well, let me first tell you, on September 17th, uh, the first bomb exploded in a trash can in the, uh, along the route of a charity run in Seaside Park, New Jersey. It was a U.S. Marine charity run. Now, fortunately, uh, the run was delayed because more people came to run in it than they expected. So the actual start of the race was delayed. And that meant that people did not pass by this trash can at the time that it exploded. So no one was injured or killed. But then later that day, um, a homemade pressure cooker bomb exploded on West 23rd Street, which is the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan. There, 31 people were injured. Then, um, fortunately, a second pressure cooker bomb was discovered on West 27th Street, four blocks away. Then on the next day, September 18th, a suspicious package was found at the Elizabeth, New Jersey train station. It's interesting, it was found by two homeless men. Well, one of them at least is, is more homeless than the other. 
And um, he, the, the, the particularly homeless man, um, had been looking for a backpack. And lo and behold, they came upon this, uh, this backpack, and he thought it was his lucky day, when in fact, uh, they then saw wires coming out of it, and they notified authorities. Which is, of course, a wonderful example of the see something, say something rule. Fortunately, they did um, go immediately to the authorities and the bombs were able to be, um, were able to be detonated, were able to be um, fixed. Actually, one of them did detonate as they were trying to disarm them, I guess the word is. Um, but nobody was hurt. So the only place that anyone was hurt was in on 23rd the only place that's 31 people in Chelsea in Manhattan in any case um when this happened when the this series of bombs were uh found president obama uh had a talked to journalists and of course this was uh, televised as well telling them um not to not to jump to conclusions that this is a terrorist act. Um, we're, we're, we were supposed to wait um, until, I don't know what, until some terrorist claimed it or something. Um, but, you know, he didn't, shh, everybody was supposed to shh, not to, not, don't say a word. This can't be a terrorist. This can't be a radical Islamist terrorist, especially. Well, as we all know um, now, um, it turned out to be, and yes, it's alleged, but there really isn't much doubt at this point, um, through the investigation that they've done thus far, uh, it appears to be Ahmed Rahami. And Ahmed Rahami is a, uh, young man, a 28-year-old man who was born in Afghanistan. And he, um, came to America with his family uh, he became naturalized. He was born in 1988. He came to the United States in 1995. This was after his father had already come here seeking asylum. And then um, Ahmed became naturalized, a naturalized citizen in America in 2011. Now, what's interesting, and this is so, his story is really typical um, of so many people who ultimately become radicalized because they're lost. Immigrants who come to this country, particularly from the Middle East, um, struggle. Well, all immigrants struggle in this country, no matter where you come from. Um, you come without any money, typically, and it's hard to find a job. And you come with, if you come with a lot of family members, you know, it, you know those are a lot of mouths to feed. And so they had the typical immigrant struggles. But um, they, what happened next, I mean, the other thing that's, that's typical is that uh, like a lot of families where um, they come from the Middle East, places like Afghanistan, Pakistan, um, they, as they're growing up, they have a difficulty forming their identity because part of them wants to be American, Americanized, you know, be like typical kids in high school. Um, and part of them has a family. A at the same time, you know, they, they go to school and they're, um, it's typical American culture. And then they go home and their family is traditional, traditional Islamic um, culture. 
And it's, it, it is a very difficult um, situation to be in where your identity really isn't very clear and where there are things pulling you in all these different directions. It's particularly difficult when you have a, a difficult family, as Ahmad had with a, a very difficult father who seems to tell different stories at different times. Um, but his friends say that when he was in high school, he, um, he was outgoing. They called him outgoing, funny. He was looking forward to a future in law enforcement. Um, he was a normal kind of, or so it seemed to his friends, that he was a normal kind of kid. Now, in the meantime, his family um, had opened in New Jersey a restaurant called First American Fried Chicken. Now, how can, can you be more American than that? I don't think so. At least appear more American than that. I don't think so. Um, and they, But the problem was there were lots of them, and they all lived together in a cramped apartment above this store. So now, friends are saying that he was happy-go-lucky until um, he got his high school girlfriend pregnant, and that made his father irate. And the girlfriend dropped out of school and had the baby, and um, Rahami Ahmad uh, was graduated from high school, and he went to Middlesex County College in New Jersey. He majored, ironically, in criminal justice, but he never finished. He dropped out. Um, and then life kind of went downhill from there. He was working at the restaurant, the family restaurant. Um, he hasn't, by the way, he hasn't seen this woman from his high school girlfriend, who he had the baby with. Uh, he hasn't had any physical contact with her for at least two years. So when this happened, um, both the pregnancy that got his father angry and his dropping out of college that didn't make his father happy either, his father decided to take the family to Afghanistan and then to Pakistan. And then um, he decided, the father decided, to leave um, Ahmad alone in Pakistan. He abandoned him in Pakistan. Then now, of course, now he wonders, how could this have happened? How did he become radicalized? I don't get it. What? <laughs> surprise, surprise. In fact, he said, the father says and um, friends say that when he came back, now this was in, they took various trips. Again, there isn't the, um, the information about this is, it is contradictory in various places, but the gist of it is between 2011 and 2014, Ahmad made many trips to Afghanistan and Pakistan, several trips. And um, in this particular trip, um, his father took his passport while he was sleeping, and the whole family left him in Pakistan. Um, so what do you think he did? You know, first of all, he was calling people and trying to get money, he, you know, to get home. He was trying to get home. But um, this was really difficult. And of course, he was very influenced by the teachings, uh, radical Islamist teachings in um, Afghanistan and then Pakistan. And apparently, people, he, uh, he um, while he was there, well, at some point, at one of, on one of these trips, um, he, when he went back, he went back with his brother, Muhammad, and um, they married two conservative Pakistani cousins. 
and it was an arranged marriage. And um, so when he came back, his friends all say, and his father and you know his family say that he was changed. He had been radicalized. Well, like duh, you know. Yes, of course he learned the teachings, but he also learned um, how his family, notably his father, could betray him like that, take his 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 passport. And just abandon him there. So it isn't just, um, you know, it's sort of this combination. There he was in this very vulnerable state. And um, the radical Islamist religion and teachers and, and mentors there um, were, he depended upon them. I mean, they were, the, they were he, he needed an identity. He, he had no more identity. And, and they were there, and um, this is what he turned to. So when he came back, um, when he came back, he, you know, wore a more traditional dress, and he studied the, um, the Quran. He apparently would now sit in the back of the chicken restaurant and read the Quran and talk to people about it. And... Um, then when he, eventually when he married the, his wife, um, from the Middle East, he, and he came back and they tried to move into their own apartment, but they couldn't afford it. So they were evicted. And then Rahami moved, Rahami, Ahmad, I mean, Ahmad Rahami, but then Ahmad moved back with his family above the chicken restaurant and it was very crowded and his father, over, I mean, you know, can you imagine moving back with your family with a father who had abandoned you in Pakistan and now you, you're forced to live with him again because uh, you can't afford to do anything else, to be out on your own? So anyway, needless to say, they got into fights. And um, at one time, uh, Ahmad stabbed his brother in the leg. Another time, he hurt his mother. Um, and the father called the police. Um, and they came and when, you know, when he hurt, uh, these family members, he spent, he spent time in county jail. Um, he wasn't, he was released after a grand jury failed to indict him on these domestic issues. And, um, now I, I do want to also mention that, um, the, the, this chicken restaurant, <laughs> was having problems. His father, his family was having, were having a lot of problems because the city, in fact, they had a lawsuit against the city because the city wanted them to close at 10 o'clock instead of staying open all night or almost all night because it drew a lot of rambunctious uh, <clears throat> patrons. And like uh, there were rap artists there and, and, you know, whole crowds. And of course, I hope the police... Uh, or the FBI or somebody uh, investigates who the the uh, common uh, frequent patrons were at this restaurant to look for you know the likelihood I mean there is a likelihood that some of these other people had similar radical Islamist beliefs in any case um, during this time that there were these family domestic disputes um, his father claims, is claiming now, he's making a big show of this, that it could well be, I mean, I think some of it is true, but he's trying to say that, um, that he reported Ahmad to the police or the, or the FBI, um, well, actually, actually it was the, it was probably both, but it was, it did include the FBI, and, um, 
And he said, like, now remember, he's angry at, the, at his son. And he's saying that he thinks that um, ah Ahmad is a terrorist. Now, the FBI, <laughs> the FBI, as we are seeing more and more, just like the Orlando shooter, um, did not do very much work in terms of investigation because Ahmad had things on the internet. Um, he, he had his favorites, uh, some, some radical Islamist teachings. Uh, he was posting things on the internet. They obviously did not do a very good job of checking into him. Plus, they never even interviewed him. They never interviewed Ahmad himself. And they decided that the father was just angry at him because, um, you know, of these domestic violence disputes and that the father only called him a terrorist because, because of that, because he wanted to get him into trouble. And that was it. They, they wiped their hands of it, which is another whole thing that we really have to um, change. But anyhow, so, so in this journal, um, there are all of these, um, you know, there's all this... Uh, clear talk that he was a radical Islamist terrorist. Um, he, you know, he had the people, names of people from, mostly from Al-Qaeda, although there certainly uh, are likely to be some from ISIS as well, but because he was from Afghanistan, and so, you know, his first, um, he, he was, he was more uh, familiar with, with Al-Qaeda, um, he makes reference to brother Osama bin Laden and Nidal Hassan, the psychiatrist who shot and killed 13 people at Fort Hood, Texas, who President Obama said called, well, he called that, that event a work, workplace violence, not a terrorist attack. It was workplace violence. I mean, this denial of the seriousness of what really is going on in this country and in not stopping um, is 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 making us, putting us more and more in danger. And it's just ludicrous. And you have to start looking at reasons why, uh, you know, agendas of people who are denying that these are radical Islamist terrorists. Now, we also, during this past weekend with these attacks in in uh, New York and New Jersey, we, uh, similar to President Obama, we had New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and he said that placing a bomb in a crowded city street was intrinsically a terrorist act, but that, quote, there is no evidence of an international terrorism connection with this incident. Really? <laughs> I mean, yes, so far we have not discovered, the, the, the investigators have not discovered um, facts saying that he was a, a member or... Um, that he was well connected with foreign terrorists in the sense that, you know, there wasn't that it wasn't necessarily a terrorist cell. Um, although there are certainly suspicions of there being terrorist cells as in New York and New Jersey and all over as well, there should be suspicions, but, but certainly we know enough by now from his, his own journal, Ahmad's own journal and the, and it, the internet and so on, that he was following the typical, um, uh, people, uh, Islamist terrorist uh, scholars, mentors, um, prov provocateurs, um, who want people, are trying to provoke people to create terrorist acts, commit terrorist acts. So that really isn't a question. But, but Governor Q 
Cuomo, just like President Obama, was was telling everybody, just wait, just wait, we don't know. It could be, I don't know what he thought it could be. What he, I mean, but he was trying to, I mean, this, this all also relates to political correctness. And that is going to be the death of America, our political correctness. While these more and more attacks are happening um, by radical Islamist terrorists, we're going to be saying, I don't know, it could have been. <laughs> Maybe it's just some people who were high school kids who were angry at their teacher or, I mean, really. Um, so, <laughs> so my call to action to you is that we need to, we can't just be like lemmings here. We can't just suck it up. We can't just um, believe what we're being told about how, you know, and we're kind of colluding in this because, I mean, let's be honest, um, Americans, many Americans, most Americans, are in denial of terrorism altogether. We don't want to believe, you know, we we think about it on 9-11 every year. Other than that, people are, are in denial. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to think it's continuing. You know, it was that false sense of security of 9-11, of the anniversary, that, okay, we honored the, the victims, we praised the um, first responders, Okay, so now we can forget about it for another year. That isn't, um, that ain't what we should be doing. Um, because, because the more we forget about it for another year, um, the more attacks like what we just saw over this past weekend are going to happen. So, uh, we have to speak up. We have to say that we don't accept this. We have to call terrorists terrorists. Um, you know, it's not a coincidence that they... Um, you know, I mean, God forbid we should do racial profiling, right? You know, in Israel, they do racial profiling. And um, yes, I know what you're thinking. That's bad. Israel shouldn't do it. Um, we, should, we shouldn't do it. Nobody should do it. But, you know, when, when there are um, certain characteristics that um, make it more likely that someone is an Islamist terrorist... We can't just sit by and wait for, um, to see whether we're right or not. I mean, yes, of course, we have to be reasonable. And, and of course, I'm not saying, and I, and I always try to, to uh, stress this, that I'm certainly not saying that all Muslims are terrorists, or all terrorists are even Muslims, because they're a domestic terrorist. But certainly, it relates to the radical Islamist ideology. I mean, really, we know that. It's it's like in it's like in um, um, the uh, Harry Potter books with Voldemort. I always compare it to that because it's Voldemort was he who shall not be named. Well, Voldemort was an enemy, and um, you know, not naming the enemy doesn't make them any less dangerous. It makes them more dangerous because we don't know what we're doing and how to do it if we're going to pretend that we don't know who our enemy is. Well, now it's come to um, the Ask the Terrorist Therapist part of the show. Um, I have a letter from Mike. Um, he says, I'm sick and tired of the government bending over backwards to deny that most terrorists are radical Muslims. If Muslims feel they are being unfairly discriminated against, then why don't they report their neighbors, friends, or family who they see being radicalized? 
Well, yes, Joe, this is a very important question. And, you know, it's also one of these things that you're not supposed to talk about. It's not politically correct to, to bring this up. Why didn't you say something? You know, everybody's supposed to, if you see something, say something. And yet the people who are closest to the ones who become these terrorists, who, who create terrorist attacks or other terrorist acts, um, don't say anything. And they see a lot. They're the ones who see the most. So, yes, in this example, actually, um, of Ahmad, in fact, his father, now his father is singing like a canary, um, saying, oh, yes, I knew, now, you know, now again, he recanted it after he told the FBI in the first place, and the FBI just chalked it up to a family squabble. But now, now that his son has actually done something which shows that he is a terrorist, now the father's saying, ah, you see? I told you. I told you he was a terrorist. Why didn't you do something? Right. Why didn't he recant? Why did he recant, the father? So, in fact, the father does know a lot. And the sister, and, and now there's some question about other people in the family, like apparently the sister has been following some of these lead terrorist leaders on the Internet as well and being radicalized. So, um, so, you know, clearly, and here they were cramped in this little apartment above the chicken place, and, and you don't know what your, you know, what Ahmad is doing or what everyone is doing, really? Um, so, so yes, uh, you know, of course it's hard for a, a parent, especially, to call, tell the FBI unless they are angry at their son, which apparently he was for years, ever since he got someone pregnant. Uh, since the father abandoned him in in the Middle East, but um, but you know you need need to do more than that. If if the FBI uh, didn't continue to follow him, Ahmad, which they didn't, just like they didn't follow Omar Mateen in Orlando, uh, then the father should have been bringing proof to them if he really wanted them to do something. You know, proof of what his son was putting on the internet, for example. So, um, you know, we have other examples of this, the San Bernardino uh, terrorists, the, the couple, their neighbors and their family knew what was going on. They didn't report it. We have the example in Belgium of Molenbeek, the people who lived in Molenbeek, where the terrorists came from, who, were, who created terrorist attacks in, in France, as well as in Belgium. Those neighbors didn't rat on, I put that in single quotes, uh, the terrorists. So, you know, I'm not saying that it just has to be these families and friends and neighbors. It certainly should be them, but it has to be us as well who are increasingly vigilant. And, you know, one of the a scary thought is, um, imagine if, uh, you know, there are more, especially we know now that there are I mean, we've known for a while, but it seems to be getting more and more prevalent that there are these terrorist camps in uh, the Middle East, not putting aside the question of terrorist cells in America, but there are these terrorist camps in the Middle East where they are recruiting children who um, are like five and six and turning them into terrorists. So there are more terrorists being grown, so to speak, than there are um, FBI agents at this time. It's a scary thought to imagine, you know, the, the increase in population of radicalized um, terrorists who, um, 
who, you know, if, in other words, if the FBI has to keep a watch on more and more people, there are going to be more terrorists than FBI agents at some point, unless we nip this in the bud. So my, I'd like to leave you with this thought, which is that we need to start um, saying something when people like President Obama or Governor Cuomo or news reporters or for your friends or acquaintances um, or your family members, when people are saying, when people interrupt you and say, uh, oh, well, you know, you're being, that's not nice. Um, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's not nice and, and it's not politically correct. Okay, that's right. It's not politically correct. And do you want to be cor politically correct or alive? Well, with that, I will close. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. And um, I will, there's more. You know, I've actually, uh, just let me quickly add this aside before we leave. You know, I've had to struggle with this whole issue of political correctness uh, way over this past year when I've been writing my book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And in that book, I tell adults, grown-ups, parents, grandparents, teachers, uh, in the adult section of the book, um, I tell them about how they need to tell children the truth. And in the children's section of the book, that, that's what I have, been, have done in a very gentle kind of way. But the question is, um, you know, it, you have to ask yourself, um, if you're a parent or a teacher or, or, you know, or not just in regard to kids, but in regard, in, in general, in your, in your course of conversation and, and your daily life, you really have to stand up for this, this uh, hypocrisy, because that's what it is. Thank you again.